Welcome to the Unapologetic Third Act Podcast, where we celebrate the age of possibilities and embrace the power of living on our own terms. I am your host, Lisa Owens, and I couldn't be more excited to embark on this journey of exploration, inspiration, and empowerment with you. We're here to challenge the notion in a world that often equates aging with limitations. The Unapologetic Third Act Podcast is a space where we redefine what it means to thrive in our wisdom years. It's a platform for sharing stories of resilience, reinvention, and pursuing passions that defy societal expectations. In each episode, we'll bring you thought-provoking interviews with remarkable individuals who have harnessed the power of their third act to make their mark on the world. From entrepreneurs to artists, adventurers to advocates, our guests will inspire you with their journeys, triumphs, and unwavering spirit. But this podcast is more than just stories. It's a call to action, an invitation to step into your unapologetic third act. We'll explore strategies, insights, and practical advice to help you unlock your true potential, find your passion, and navigate the unique challenges and opportunities of this stage of life. Get ready to be inspired, motivated, and empowered. The Unapologetic Third Act Podcast reminds you that your best days are still ahead. Welcome back to another episode of the Unapologetic Third Act where we delve into the stories and insights of remarkable individuals who are making a profound impact in their fields. Today, we are honored to have with us a truly inspiring guest, my dear friend, Julie Brams, a veteran earth-centered psychotherapist, certified forest therapy guide, meditation practitioner and teacher, and writer based in the vibrant city of Los Angeles. With a career spanning over 30 years, Julie's unique approach to healing intertwines traditional therapy eco-psychology, practices, meditation, and energy psychology. She's presented on the topics of eco-psychology and the neuroscience of nature for treating anxiety, depression, and overall mind-body health at the prestigious institutions such as the California State University at Northridge, the American Public Health Association, and the Institute of Noetic Sciences, along with numerous churches and synagogues. Her upcoming book, titled The Nature Embedded Mind, How We Think Can Heal Our Planet and Ourselves, explores some of the most vital questions our culture faces regarding the broken relationship between humans and nature. Our persistent and shared delusion that we are different from the rest of, the, of nature is at the heart of why we behave in ways that destroy our own habitat. Focusing on our personal and collective beliefs, the Nature Embedded Mind shows us how we can begin healing the most important relationship we have our relationship with the, our earth. Furthermore, this book challenges the field of Western psychology to prioritize this repair as the new foundation for mental health and social wellness. Before we begin our conversation, I invite you to follow Julie on social media at Julie Brams LMFT and join this transformative community. Your support is invaluable as she firmly believes that this cultural shift towards an earth-centered worldview is an essential excuse me, is essential for our global health, encompassing the mental, physical, and environmental aspects of our lives. So let's extend our ears and open our minds to the wisdom and insights of Julie Brams as we explore how we think and heal, we think we can heal our mind, planet, and ourselves. Julie, it's an <laughs> absolute pleasure to have you on the Unapologetic Third Act. I'm sorry I stumbled through my intro there, but welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so excited yeah. to get to talk to you and talk about what the heck all of that means. 
it's a lot and i'm really excited to hear what it means so yeah it's just a pleasure and and congratulations on your upcoming book thank you the nature and better mind i mean i know you just you just connected got a publisher so that's like yep so exciting i'm thrilled thank you um so may let's start with you know what the nature embedded mind is and you know briefly overview what inspired you to write the book and what our readers can expect to discover within its pages okay well so let's see what inspired me to write the book was kind of a um growing understanding of this how this break in the relationship between people and the rest of nature really really impacts not only our physical health but our our mental health and as a mental health professional um i was really concerned about this and i was thinking well what can i do with my skill set to help move our species into a more sustainable way of living. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I really started to take a look um, at how we think about our place in in the planet. And I I think starting to shift our language is is a way of starting to think, shift our thinking. And so when I say things like in our planet or in the earth, it's already challenging this notion that somehow we're separate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So typically we tend to talk about nature as something out there and um, really reinforces this break. So um, when I use phrases like that, while we're talking, you know, I hope, you know, if it stands out and feels a little weird for people to hear, that's understandable and also a beginning of letting anyone who's listening start to go, oh yeah, that's right. We're in the earth. We're not on the earth. We're in the earth. We're, the earth itself is a, like a, 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 a a system, an interconnected system of different species, humans being one of them, um, not the most important one, but an important part. Um, why I say we're not the most important is because I think part of what we've done in separating ourselves out is we've placed ourselves in a role that's superior to the rest of nature. And then we end up doing things that are really, um, really egregious to the earth and also unsustainable Mm. as we're facing the results of this way of thinking like climate crisis and, you know, everything that humans are now kind of waking up to, it's really stemming from the way we think. So, so. um, I'm just going to, you know, I appreciate all the explanation. And so one of the things I just want to make sure we articulate is like, what is earth-centered psychology? Just, mm-hmm. you know, so everyone's clear on what, what we're talking, what you're talking about. Yeah. So earth-centered psychology is sort of a, a term that I'm coining 
Mm. Um, the legacy, I guess, that I'm building upon is something called eco-psychology. When I talk to people about eco-psychology, they think I mean recycling. <laughs> so that's why I thought, okay, there's, <laughs> there's maybe a better word for this, something that's actually more um, resonates. Understandable. Yeah. yeah. So I took this to mean, you know, instead of being human-centered, which there is a psychology that's like human-centered psychology, and that sort of moves into a, a perspective that cares about humans, not just um, seeing people as as ill or whatever. You know, it's like it's a more compassionate perspective. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, let's move even further into earth centered. So what I mean by that is that we're we're considering the earth as part of ourselves and part of our family and therefore when we are looking at mental wellness that would be one of the first things that we start to assess like how is your relationship with the rest of your more than human family mm. Or how is your relationship with the rest of your more than just human body? And that one is a really big leap. But to actually see, again, our body as part of a bigger organism. So we are embedded in this system. Again, like for an example, we're breathing. So we're connected right now to the atmosphere. And as we breathe it in, that feeds our organs, you know, we oxygenate. And then as we exhale, we're putting out the elements that the plants need. So they're taking in what we're breathing out. We're taking in what they're breathing out. Mm -hmm. We're in these exchanges all the time. We're never separate from the rest of this global organism. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that's so much to think about because most of us, you know, just yeah. go through our lives and don't have any concept of the things you're talking about right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. It It is a lot to think about, but um, if we don't, the result of that is we feel depressed, we feel anxious, we feel lonely, mm -hmm. we feel, um, you know, because of our loneliness or our depression or our anxiety, we turn to substances to make us feel better, you know. So there are a lot of consequences to not really other than. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, to not thinking about this. And um again, my my question to the field of psychology is why as clinicians are we overlooking this in assessing someone's health? You know, why are we continuing to treat these things but not consider that any of it is stemming from 
a disconnection from reality you know the reality that we are nature ourselves that we are connected in these ways and if we are separated from it physically or mentally we're going to suffer um so the so your book do you feel like it's written for just clinicians you know you've talked about the field of psychology or is this just for for anyone any of us laymen who don't have experience or exposure yeah it's definitely for everyone it's definitely you know awesome. it's i've written it really in a way that's really accessible i hope it incorporates um my own personal story of learning about this and and like learning to step outside of a role as a clinician and into the role of a forest therapy guide, where in terms of this style of it's I'm certified through the Association of Nature and Forest Therapy. And their premise is that the human being is only the guide while the forest or the natural environment itself is the therapist. So mm -hmm. As a clinician, I had to learn to, again, decenter myself and center the trees, the grass, the soil, the stream or the plants, the insects, the other animals as the therapist mm. and learn to facilitate people's connecting with that through invitations um, so in the book, I'm describing that process. I'm um, kind of deconstructing this theory a lot more than I am right this in this conversation. Um, I try to add humor. I'm usually, you know, <laughs> like try to lean into, you know, the the lightheartedness of this. Um, this repair is actually really playful and fun. It's not something that's hard to do. It's um, it's actually something that people walk away from feeling exhilarated and you know calmer and you know it's it's a fun process. Um, I do have a little bit of a shout out to my colleagues to say, hey guys, you know can we make this now the foundation of mental health? Um, so that's my, my particular shout out to them. But in general, I've written it um, for anyone, anyone who already loves nature, anyone who already spends time in nature or people who, you know, don't get out enough. I mean, it's for anyone um, who just wants to feel better and, and maybe explore an expanded way of thinking to help to help get even better than we can imagine. So thinking about that, you know, I live just outside of Chicago and I don't spend a lot of time in nature. And, you know, what would you recommend for people, you know, in our technology driven, sitting at our desk sort of day-to-day -day life you know, what, what can people do just to get a little bit of that without perhaps coming to one of the events that you're putting on and going on an excursion, you know, an excursion with a guide, what, what yeah. would you recommend? Yeah. Um, a few things, you know, one would be 
in the book, you know, I have different invitations and things. So if that can be helpful um, to, to answer that question. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that there are guides all over the place. Like this is, I'm not the only one. We've got them all over the world. So probably you could actually go out with a guide. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in your own in your own everyday life, again, like the first part is a perceptual shift. So if you start to look at the out of doors as a an area populated with other species that you can spend time with, you know, for example, I, I like to say, you know, like as human beings, we do allow each other to have intimate relationship with certain other species like cats or dogs or birds or fish, you know, like we are domestic. Yeah. We we don't, we don't really like throw shade at people who are cuddling with their pet, you know, however, we stop at that, you know, and the reality is, is that we can communicate and be intimate with trees, with plants, with any other species in the same way that we do. It's just that we have to spend that time and learn how to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. That may or may not be someone's initial point. Like, oh, I want to learn how to communicate with my tree. You don't have to. But if you just spend time with it, the cool thing is that, you know, we did co-evolve, especially with trees. And so if you spend 20 minutes next to a tree, it's already going to start to read your immune system and figure out what you need. And it's going to start sending out fight insides to help you. So if particularly evergreen trees, if you spend 20 minutes with an evergreen tree, it will start to lower your cortisol levels. It will start to raise your natural killer cells. Wow. Um, because it's our immune systems connect. You know, another interesting fact is that the phytoncytes that a tree puts out, which is the chemical that sometimes you can smell it sometimes you can't doesn't matter but the fight insides the most the highest concentration in the atmosphere is right at the level of a human nose it's like we really we we evolved together we're meant to be in the trees it's very recent that human beings have come indoors so much and now with our technology, even more so, we're just indoors and we're digital. And, yeah. 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 So it's, just remembering, you know, to go out. And well, and I never do that. And it's funny, a couple of weeks ago, I was on a retreat and happened to be in California. And we went on a hike and I literally, I have a photograph of me hugging a tree, which you, I've never seen in my life. And it was just like, you know, we, we spent 20 minutes out, outside just really being in nature and that's something i never do you know because i sit in front of my computer day in and day out so 
this this is particularly interesting to me to hear what you're sharing and having recently had that experience after such a long time being indoors yeah. with the pandemic and the whole thing for sure and I know I'm very lucky to live in Los Angeles where it's mild weather all year round yeah but it doesn't mean you can't um even in the winter time spend time with the trees that are dormant or spend time with the snow or you know the animals sort of grounding recently you know which is just yeah. not something that people here normally do with the weather you know in the summer yeah. that's fine but in the winter you're like you're gonna go outside with your in your bare feet <laughs> oh yeah yeah well that's a that's a tricky one yeah going out <laughs> in your bare feet I know I used to do it when I was a kid when we when we were yes. in Evanston with you yeah. I mean that was the craziest stuff that I used to do <laughs> what uh, <laughs> um yeah okay so I'm just so you know writing a book can be a transformative experience for many authors like what personal growth or realizations did you encounter in the writing process of the nature embedded mind yeah. Um, well, it takes a village, <laughs> the community support, you know, um, I couldn't have done it without uh, my editor and book coach, Marnie Friedman. She really helped me every time I got lost or got forlorn, she would keep me on track. Um, I think also every conversation that I would have with people and realize how they actually lit up around this information kept me going yeah. and feeling like, okay, this really is something, you know, that everyone, their heart, it seems that people's hearts long for this. I mean, there are a few people that don't, but I kind of feel like this information, sometimes I say it's like, it's a relief because it's what everyone knows in their heart of hearts. Mm -hmm. um, at the same time, it's super challenging. Like, wait, what does it mean? So it's like this, oh, duh. Yeah, I know this with, wait, what? I could live like what? Um, the other thing I want to say, and this isn't quite answering the question, but I just want to thread this in, that this way of thinking is not unfamiliar you know this is the way of thinking that our indigenous um friends ancestors, yeah. yeah ancestors current indigenous people first nations people aboriginal you know like this is a way of of thinking that is sustainable that hasn't been lost i mean um so it's not a foreign way of thinking. It's actually the way that all of us thought not too long ago. Mm -hmm. And then, unfortunately, there was a turning away from these this wisdom. Um, but if you look back in your own personal ancestry, far enough back, all of us, all of our ancestors lived in a way that respected and harmonized with the rest of nature. Um, and again, it was a sustainable system, mm -hmm. system that we work in now collapses 
and we're seeing that now and it's alarming but i guess why i'm bringing that up again is that most people when they enter into this way of thinking it reminds them of oh wow this is how it was for me when i was a kid you know this is how i was when i was out of doors i you know felt good i you know maybe felt a bond with the rest of nature so Mm -hmm. it's again it's um that's the kind of thing that kept me going through the book is like this is something that we all know we just need permission to do it we need permission to be unashamed to bond with other species (laughs) no i mean it's funny because you know talking about us growing up in evanston and my grandfather had a a fishing resort up in rural Minnesota. And I remember going up there and it was such a different experience than being in Evanston, you know, and like just, you know, seeing deer and, you know, going, you know, being on a lake and seeing fish. It's like, and I met, you know, I just had little, little pockets or bits of that growing up. And yeah, I definitely felt, you know, I, grew up in this very urban environment, you know, like I don't remember a lot of outdoor, uh, you know, going to the lake, but not a lot of trees and things like that. And I certainly didn't have any awareness of the things you're talking about, but I think it's such an interesting concept to point out that it's something we're missing from our previous lives and, you know, what our ancestors and people who are in different environments are experienced on a day-to-day basis. Right. And my hope is, is that we can kind of reclaim this way of thinking. And then once we do, you know, I can speak for myself. It just sort of changes the way you, you know, behave or it changes the way you relate in the world. Um, Again, this is why it's not about recycling. You know, you may recycle, but that's not, this isn't about, oh, how do I get someone to recycle? This no. is about, you know, walking in the world and feeling connected to the beauty. And because you're feeling connected, sure, you may want to protect it. You may want to handle it differently. You may care differently. Um, but it just feels better. You know? it's it's i really hope that people try this out because it's again just that change in your own outlook your own um day to day is it's just better you know yeah yeah all right so what's your favorite thing about what you're doing I think my favorite thing about what I'm doing right now is getting to talk to people like this, yeah. getting to go in front of groups of people and sharing. Starting, and you, you, you have something coming up, don't you? <laughs> November 12th, I'm going to be presenting for my colleagues and I'm really excited to see how they take yeah. this information in. And yep. again, you know, like I want to say like, this is not about Yes, no, this isn't about 
um, oh, I believe it or I don't believe it. This is, I hope, a conversation. It's a, it's an unlearning of a something and a learning of something new. So I am excited to hear even when people feel like, oh, this is totally crazy or oh, I don't believe you or how can you say this or who are you to say this? You know, I've had comments like that and it, it feels to me like any one of these thoughts is a jumping off point mm. for delving into why do we think the way we think? You know, why does somebody want to um, stand by a statement like human beings are separate from the earth? You know, anyway, I guess I'm just, I, I'm excited to be able to hear how anybody takes this, even yeah. if negative or scary at first you know it's some feedback people... feedback is always good whether it's you know good perceived as good or bad i'm always about getting feedback so yeah yeah so i'm excited to to get out there and hear what people think and starting this conversation and and again like you said i think in the beginning you know i'm really hoping this to be more of a movement yeah. yes there's a book Yes, I want you to buy it, but this is a movement. And so to have conversations, to have, you know. Well, and we'll come to that with the unapologetic third act. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted, I, I may have touched on this, but just like, you know, talking about like, I live in this urban environment, I don't have as much access, but would you share some practical tips or techniques for our listeners to reconnect with nature in their daily lives, right? So even if they're in a busy and urban environment you know what would you say to somebody open a window <laughs> that's a start yep i mean i had an office unfortunately where i couldn't open the windows and that was really hard yeah um, but if you can open the window um if you have to be inside you know look outside the window you know, even if you can't get out there, even looking at trees will, again, reduce your stress levels, will do all of the things that being out there will. Um, smell the air, feel the air. You know, this is all about sensory connection. Like, again, our bodies are nature. We, our original language is sensor, sensory. Mm -hmm. So feeling feeling the air on your skin smelling the fragrance of something um in terms of food tasting your food um enjoying the the colors enjoying the sunshine sometimes i go outside just to let my eyes adjust to the natural light mm. i am also indoors a lot yeah. and i'm on a computer yeah. um so i make sure i step outside and just let my eyes you know, adjust again to the intensity of the sunlight. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes I'll also just put my hands up so I can feel the sunshine on my palms. You oh. were talking about earth or grounding or earthing where right. you put your, the bottoms of your feet on the soil or the sand or grass, whatever surface is there. You can also do that with your hands. Um, the other way that the trees help is through 
your hands. So if you're breathing in, great. But if you can touch the bark is another way. Okay. Um, bring, oh, yeah. Oh, bring, I work so, in a basement, as you know, so I yeah, can't even yeah. look out and see a tree. So I yeah. find, you know, the nice thing is a couple times a day, I take my dog to the park, but I'm, yeah. I'm always like, oh my gosh, we have to get back. You know, it's like, yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, as much as you can slow your pace. Yeah. You know, slowing your pace if you're outside, letting yourself. Um, one of the invitations in forest therapy, the way that I'm trained, is an invitation called What's in Motion. Okay. So if you're just, you don't even have to move, but if you slow your pace and just observe what's moving, helps us to slow down, helps us to tune in. Um, you'll see things that you wouldn't notice if you're rushing by. So such great because I do, I rush and I'm sure and I always, I joke with the dog. I'm like, I know he's like, why are we always in such a hurry? He's like, I don't have anywhere to be. I'm like, but I do, we have to get back. And yeah. so it would be, it'll be good for me and him. Yeah. Too. Yeah. You could let him be your forest guy. Yeah, Cause yeah. I always laugh. I joke. I'm like, <laughs> go on he's on a sniffari right he just wants to sniff and i I joke i'm like we're on a power walk not a sniffari and when i have time i'm like you have the sniffari we'll just keep going <laughs> so i you need can go, to follow his sniff- lead for the sniffari. sniffari with him <laughs> uh, yeah i mean does that feel like enough tips for yeah people? that's great it's that's super helpful because for me i'm like oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of things I never would have thought of, like, you know, putting my hands up and just, you know, feel, making, you know, feeling the air on my skin and those things or looking outside when I'm inside. So thank you. Super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about the unapologetic third act movement. So how do you perceive this and what does it mean to you personally? Well, (laughs) I love it. I am so excited that you're doing this. And, you know, I think that, you know, I've watched you brave this third act and, you know, I'm, I love listening to the other people that you have on to be encouraging and also explaining what does it mean? Yeah. To me, I think, you know, the unapologetic part to me is really having again that courage to not let societal norms or beliefs hold you back yeah so like for example in what i'm doing there's a lot of pushback like oh you're a tree hugger oh you're a this like there's a lot of shaming yeah like go on when someone decides to break free of a cultural norm so i think that lack of apology is in terms of i'm going to do what i believe is right it's certainly not like i don't i'm going to hurt anybody it's it's unapologetic in terms of I'm going to do what I believe is right and maybe, you know, blaze a trail for other people to, um, you know, as you've said, challenge the expectations of what it means to be in your wisdom years, to be an older, wiser person, hopefully wiser, 
hopefully. <laughs> and to share that, you know, I think again, like this is another part of our culture that has been lost. And I think your movement is reclaiming our elderhood. Yeah. What we know because of what we've lived is important for our, you know, the younger ones behind us and and each other. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, obviously you've had a lot of hand in this creation and I thank you for that for being one of my biggest supporters. But so why do you think this issue is particularly important for women? Because that's kind of who I see a lot of my, you yeah. know, listener follow listeners being female okay. rather than male. So don't get me started. I mean, <laughs> all right, a little bit. Yeah. Well, for women, because in my opinion, our culture is not very pro-woman and women have therefore been silenced a lot in a lot of ways. Yeah. Again, in ways that are egregious to ways that are just kind of common brushing off a woman's yeah comment you know so for women in particular i think it's important to you know embrace what you've learned what you know your vitality at any point yeah um, because again that goes against what currently our culture is trying to say that we're only valuable when we're in our childbearing years or something caregiving just so many things i mean and and you know my story military being only female and a lot of you know coming from the trading world so yeah i've been in a lot of places where i was like oh you know just completely discounted because i was female so i i'm not this is not like a women's you know rights movement but it's just like acknowledging that because it is so prevalent and a lot of people probably i i suspect feel it and maybe don't share it or talk about it but it's there yep i think it's like i grew up probably as you did you know with this kind of trope of you know oh a man as he ages becomes more valuable but a woman doesn't it's like what how does that work yeah (laughs) is that a fact or is that just what you were being told? Yeah. So again, it's like reclaiming. No, women also can age in a really powerful, amazing way. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of keeping with the same thing. So the Unapologetic Third Act movement encourages individuals to embrace their wisdom and authentic authenticity, which is something that's so important to me. Like, how does that mindset how has that influenced your journey as both an author and a therapist? The authenticity? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess wisdom and authenticity, either one, you know. Yeah, well, I think that where I am now, the way that I practice my therapy practice, the writing that I do, I couldn't have had them sooner than now. Like this truly is an accumulation of a lifetime, you know, decades. I mean, I started thinking about 
one indigenous culture in the way that I believed it was better than what I was raised as a white little girl. Um, and that nature was more important than we were giving credit. Like I've had these thoughts since I was five. As a five-year-old, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot I could do with my voice, <laughs> right. you know, except go barefoot in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, this is an accumulation of something that I held in my heart authentically as a five-year-old that now with what five decades under me yeah plus you know I can put together in an articulate way and speak hopefully from my heart to other people's hearts so I would say that's how I that's how I approach everything in my life from my heart to your heart (laughs) yeah um right so what does it mean to you to be fierce and fearless hmm to be fierce and fearless oh yeah yeah i think uh, this is a hard time to be talking about this you know with the world as it is right now there's a lot going on yeah i guess it means to never give up I think it means um, to even allow your heart to break. Um, To, yeah, to continue going forward with what you believe in spite of the fact that you may have um, real or imagined feathers that you ruffle you know i mean i think what some people are going to say in their unapologetic third act will ruffle feathers yeah um and you might get hurt (laughs) but that's okay it's okay to be fierce and fearless means um being willing to take some heat for things that you believe to be true and you believe are beneficial for everyone. At least that's how I, I'm not doing this for myself. I'm doing it for myself and for everyone else. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, you know, I feel like so much of this is about being, you know, reinvention, resiliency and rediscovery. Right. And I'm not here to be prom queen. Right. Like, right. Like, you know, I may not be popular for the things that I'm saying, but, you know, I think it's important to support other people and let them know that it's okay for them to, to do this and push back on, you know, the notions of what, what is appropriate for them. So. Right. And but, if, you know, I, I forget who it was, I should know this, but I don't, haters gonna hate, you know. <laughs> I don't know who it was, but I, I hear you. Um, so Julie, what are you most unapologetic about with your work and your book and your life? Like <laughs> um let's see. I'm most unapologetic that I will go out 
into the world on a daily basis, touch the tree leaves, walk down the street, you know, embodying what I believe, catching stares or whatever, explaining, having to explain to people, oh, I'm sorry, I was just bonding with the tree. I didn't have my hand raised. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I think just um, letting myself be who I am, even if some people don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Again, not here to be prom queen, right? It's like right. Right. Um, so what do you see as the potential for the unapologetic third act, you know, just from your perspective? I think the potential is to liberate a lot of hearts. I really do. I think that it's about that liberating people. And that seems to be like what's most important to me right now, yeah. liberating anybody who feels like they're being held back, being oppressed, oppressed. Whatever, <laughs> being being shunned, being shamed, being whatever. Unappreciated, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Is. Yeah. Exactly. And liberating them to live, to really live. Yeah. And not keeping themselves small is what, you know, I, I don't want people to keep themselves small ever. Yeah. Yeah. To know that it at any age you can, you know, in a good way, like catch fire, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so this has been amazing. So as we wrap up, what's your message or call to act in action that you'd like to leave with the listeners regarding your book and the unapologetic third act movement? One, like and follow. And comment more than three words. <laughs> right, we've learned All that emojis. more than three words. <laughs> more than three words. <laughs> Use a complete sentence. <laughs> yeah. Um. I would say, you know, for me, you know, like, just follow me on Instagram, or yeah. you know, um, I'm going to be doing some other things as well. So you know, building more of a a platform for where people can communicate with me yeah. and you know join in um and you know pre-order the book buy the book yeah yeah it'll be out sometime mid to late 2024 so exciting but, i'm I know. so thrilled for you i know <laughs> no. but i think even now you know if you just even say you'd like a copy i can show that to the powers that be and say see people already want it yeah yeah we want i want to create as much you know interesting following so yeah um we'll we'll remind people again in a second how they can get a hold of you yeah um anything else i think that's about it all right yeah well thank you you're welcome thank you um my dear dear friend from childhood you know. <laughs> or early teenage hood but yeah you know, one of my the most the dearest people in the world to me so thank you for being on yeah so that concludes our enlightening conversation with julie brams ma lmft an earth-centered psychotherapist cer certified forest therapy guide and author of the upcoming book 
the nature embedded mind. We've explored the profound healing that can occur when we reconnect with nature, how nature therapy can create a reciprocal healing experience for ourselves and the environment, and why adopting an earth-centered mindset is vital for global health and environmental sustainability. Remember, you can follow Julie on social media at Julie Brams LMFT and join her community as they embark on this transformative journey as an earth-centered worldview. Your support fosters positive change and healing for individuals on the planet. Thank you for tuning in to the Unapologetic Third Act. We hope you found inspiration in Julie's insights and that you'll join us for more enriching conversations with remarkable guests in the future. Until then, remember, we are Earth, connected, interdependent, and capable of fostering a brighter, sustainable future together. Thanks again, Julie, for your time today. And if you liked what you heard today, please give me a five-star rating on your favorite platform and share it with everyone you know, like, and love who needs to listen to this message. Thank you. And that concludes another inspiring episode of the Unapologetic Third Act podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey of celebrating life after 50 and embracing the power of our wisdom years. I genuinely appreciate you. We hope that today's episode has left you feeling inspired, motivated, and ready to embrace your unapologetic third act. Remember, age is not a barrier to living a vibrant, purposeful life. You can shape your narrative and create a future filled with endless possibilities. If you love what you've heard, please leave me a five-star review on your favorite platform and share it with everyone you know, like, or love who needs to listen to this message. I am Lisa Owens.